Hey guys, I want to quickly thank our sponsor, which is DB Journey. Planning a trip can be easy, but bringing the right type of bag with you isn't. That's why you should consider gear made by DB Journey. For the past decade, DB has been making custom backpacks and bags to help people on the move and get ready for anything. From the streets to even the peaks, DB's gears are refined as the best bags in the market, especially with their patented hookup system, which can help attach small products to your backpack and even tote bags. Click the link down below to get 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10DB. It's time to move on and time to get going. I've talked about the gym leaders, then I talked about the Elite Four. Now all that's left are the champions. In retrospect, this episode was inevitable seeing as how committed I was, but to be honest, it's the one episode I've been looking forward to the most. The champions are one of, if not the most important characters. Not only are they the strongest trainers in their respective regions, but defeating them and taking their title has been the goal for these games for about 25 years. We've had many champions over the course of the main series, but which regional champion is my favorite? I'll be going over the champions from each region and ranking them from worst to best. Yes, you heard right. Not least favorite to favorite, worst to best. I figured it was time for me to change up the format a bit, because I know the champions are what people give a shit about the most. That plus there's a few champions who I really can't stand. I'll be judging these champions based on their personalities, teams, difficulty, and how they betray their champion roles. But there's one rule I have to establish, and that is I'm only including champions that we fight at the end of each game and take their champion title. The following champions will not be included. Starting with Red. Yes, Red technically defeated Blue and became Kanto's new champion, but when you face on top of Mount Silver during the Gen 2 games, they don't refer to him as Champion Red. And yes, Red is part of the Champions Tournament in Black 2 and White 2, but I'm trying my best not to include multiple champions in one region, which applies to the next few characters. Next up, we have N. Yes, N did partake in the Gym Challenge during Black and White's main story, and he did technically defeat Alter, but he rejected the champion title, so there's that to consider. And finally, two characters who were introduced in Sword and Shield's DLC expansions, Mustard and Peony. Both of them were former champions of Gower prior to Leon and the story of Sword and Shield, which I find interesting. The key word is former, which means they're no longer champions, so they don't apply. Once more, everything I say is my opinion, so if you don't agree with how I rank these champions, that's fine, but at least hear me out. With that said, who's the best champion out of all the Pokemon games? I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing, and these are the Pokemon champions ranked from worst to best. The worst champion, in my opinion, is Trace. One of the many reasons why I dislike Let's Go is because of Trace. His cowardly and over-friendly personality is what makes him one of the worst rivals. As a champion, he's no better because he doesn't change whatsoever. I'll admit, Trace has a fairly decent team, but because abilities are completely omitted in these games, it makes his battle a lot more easier than it needs to be. I mean, what's the fucking point of giving him a Mega Pidgeot without no guard, which in turn gives it perfect accuracy? As if that wasn't enough, Professor Oak explains that the reason why Trace lost is because he loved his Pokemon too much. So basically, I won because I didn't love my Pokemon as much as he did? That's fucking bullshit! For those reasons, I had to put Trace at the very bottom. Just making it slightly above him is Hal. Much like Trace in Let's Go, Hal is one of the many reasons why Sun and Moon currently stands as my least favorite Pokemon games. But in Ultra Sun and Moon, Hal miraculously becomes a champion, which I'm not gonna lie, it did irritate me a bit. But unlike Trace, Hal actually puts up a decent challenge when you face him especially his alone in Raichu, Noivern, and Tauros. And I get it, you and Hal both started the Island Challenge together, so it makes sense for him to be the last opponent you face. But it's fucking Hal, man. You expect me to take him seriously? If you really wanted the champion to be one of your rivals, 
You could have went with Gladion. If you ask me, he deserves it more given all the shit he went through in both the Lolo games. Alas, that wasn't the case. It pains me to do this, but finishing up the bomb three, we have Lance. Yes, once again I'm talking shit about Gen 2, but I have no choice. For the record, I am a big fan of Lance, from his days as an Elite Four member and helping you fight off Team Rocket in the Lake of Rage. In a way, it was a good call making him the Jojo Champion. However, his team is abysmal. As I mentioned many times, the big problem I have with the Gen 2 games and Johto as a whole was how most characters insisted of using Kanto Pokemon, primarily Lance. He has a Gyarados, Charizard, Aerodactyl, and three hacked Dragonite. The reason I say hacked is because they're all below level 55. I know everyone's already made jokes about that, but I'm keeping it. His team can be challenging for sure, yet it's very pathetic. Should you really call yourself a Dragon-type expert when the only Dragon-types you have are three of the same Pokemon? You might as well call yourself a Flying-type expert because your entire team is part flying. They could have given him a Dragonair or even a Kingdra because it's the only Dragon-type introduced in Gen 2. No, they couldn't do that. At least they fixed his team during the post-games of HeartGold and SoulSilver, as well as Black 2 and White 2 respectively. But in terms of his champion battle, it's very disappointing. Starting off the middle of the list, we have Diantha. It's no secret that X and Y are notorious for being ridiculously easy compared to other Pokemon games. I still think the Gen 3 remakes are easier, but that's besides the point. Diantha, however, is actually one of the few battles that gives these games any sort of challenge. Even before that, I find it interesting how Diantha is not only Kalos' champion, but also a well-known model and movie actress, so I gotta give her credit for balancing out three different occupations. Unfortunately, we barely see Diantha contribute to the overall story, which is going to cost her. Yeah, she did help you out with info on Team Flare, and she gives you a Rolfs in the postgame, but still. At least her battle is still enjoyable, like I said. Her Gudra and Gorgice gave me the most trouble, and her ace Mega Gardevoir can be deadly if you're not careful. Overall, if Diantha had more screen time and actually showed off her champion vibes, then she would have been ranked higher. Next, we have the true champion of Alola, you, the player. Just kidding, it's actually Professor Kukui. <laughs> Even though I hated the Island Challenge, it was interesting to know that Pokemon League was never established before in Alola. That is until Kukui stepped in. Considering he organized Alola's first ever league, it makes perfect sense for him to be the champion. Plus, it was pretty cool that he can take on the regional professor of all characters. Yeah, you get to battle Sycamore a few times in X and Y, but it felt a bit too random if you ask me. And I don't need to remind everyone about the hacked Professor Oak battle in Gen 1 games. Here, a battle against the regional professor actually means something. Unfortunately, Kakui falls a bit on the easy side. Yeah, he has powerful Pokemon like Snorlax, Braviary, and Alolan Ninetales. I don't know, his battle felt too easy for me. Hell, the Elite Four gave me more of a challenge, which is sad. I still like Kakui and his role in the story. I just wish the battle against him was more difficult. Up next, we have the first Unova champion, Alter. What can I say about Alter, other than being able to have Bones of Steel? Seriously, this guy fucking jumps off of giant clips and his ankles remain intact. <laughs> anyway, I thought Alter was a pretty interesting character. The way he constantly shows up and gives you and your rivals advice on how to become better trainers, having a star Pokemon that died from an illness prior to the events of Gem 5, which made me feel for him a lot more. But what makes Alder stand out more is the fact that you don't fight him during your first Pokemon League run. Instead, you have to wait until the postgame to face him. That alone makes Alder unique by default. And mind you that he, along with the Elite Four, have over level 70 Pokemon, so you know it's going to be intense. However, Alder's battle felt too easy than it should have been, I mean, his Buffalon and Dratigan can be heavy hitters, and his ace Volcarona can sweep your team if you let up a Quiver Dance. Other than that, I didn't find the battle any more challenging. And yeah, much like Kakui, the Elite Four gave me more trouble, which is pretty fucking sad. Overall, I still like Alder, but because of how easy his battle felt, I can't rank him any higher, especially in terms of post-game content. 
just making it slightly below the top 5, is Wallace. You guys already know I enjoy Wallace for his role as a gym leader during Ruby and Sapphire, but in Emerald, Wallace ends up becoming the new champion of home, which I thought was really cool. Granted, it's a little weird to have the last gym leader and champion specialize in the same type, but it was still interesting. Besides, Johto's final gym leader and champion are both Dragon-type experts, to an extent, so it's not that bad. In all three of the Hoenn games, plus their remakes, Wallace helps you out during the final battle against Team Magma and Aqua, respectively, and if you thought his gym battle was tough, his champion battle is a whole nother level, with his water types being diverse and powerful in their own ways, such as Tentacruel with secondary poison typing, Ludicolo with his Swift Swim ability, if you let his Werelord set up with Rain Dance, and let's not forget about his Ace, Milotic. This thing is a fucking tank, not to mention the way he constantly uses Toxic and Recover to regain health. I wanted to put Wallace in the top 5 because Emerald is my favorite Pokemon game of all time, but you can still fairly beat Wallace without any problems if you have basic type coverage. For those reasons, Wallace remains at number 6, yet I still enjoy him in his battle nonetheless. We're now in the top 5, and to start us off, we have Iris. I honestly didn't care much about Iris in the original Unova games, to me she was kinda just there. Aside from helping you out against Team Plasma and teaching you Dracometer to any of your Dragon types, as long as they have a full friendship. Unless you play through White version, in which she's the last gym leader you face. However, in Black 2 and White 2, Iris becomes the new champion of Unova, which made me respect her a lot more. Unlike Alder, she was much more difficult to defeat, and she completely shits on Lance by having a better Dragon-type team. I know, Iris only has three Dragon-types too! Those being Hydragon, Dragon, and her ace, Haxorus, with the rest of her team consisting of Archeops, Agron, and Lapras. Either way, it's still a really powerful team. Think about it, she has a frickin' Hydragon, an Agron or Rocket to omit any recoil damage, a fast-as-fuck Archeops, and if you let Haxorus set up one Dragon Dance, yeah, you're pretty much fucked. I lost to Iris many times during my first playthrough, yet I enjoyed this great sense of challenge. Yes, Iris could honestly use more Dragon types, but because of how overwhelmingly powerful her team is, I had to put her in the top 5. Next we have Leon, the undefeated champion of Gower, or at least until you beat him. <laughs> Say what you want about Sword Shield being a massive pile of shit, but I personally love Leon and how vital he is to the overall stories of Gen 8. From endorsing you and his brother Hop to partake in the gym challenge, showing up many times throughout your journey to give advice and motivation, and even helping you out during the darkest day, which made your eventual battle against him all the more enjoyable. They don't call him undefeated for a reason, because this team is amazing. Having Aegislash, Dragapult, Haxorus, either Seismitoe, Mr. Rhyme, or Rhyperior, depending on which starter you chose, and one of the fully evolved Galar starters, Rillaboom, Cinderace, or Inteleon, again depending on your starter. But let's not forget about his ace, Charizard, that alone makes Leon in the top 5 by default. Maybe that's just my Charizard favoritism speaking, but fuck it, my list, my opinion. Either way, his team is a force to be reckoned with. His Aegislash can stall you with his stance chance ability, Dragabolt has high special attack, so it could potentially one-shot you. Same thing goes for Haxorus, except with his high physical attack. That was honestly the toughest Pokemon for me to take out during my first playthrough. Even his G-Max Charizard can be a real threat if you're too careless, which is ironic because Charizard doesn't have the best stats according to the fanbase. Aside from that, I feel like Leon's battle feels the most significant out of all of the champions. Because when you do eventually beat him, every NPC will recognize you as the new champion. Yeah, that happens in the Lolo games too, but here, it's a lot more genuine. The only issue I have with Leon is how oversaturated he felt at times. We get it, you're the undefeated champion, and it's only a matter of time before we face you and claim your title. You don't have to keep reminding us. Other than that, I love Leon, which is why he's ranked this high. Starting off the top 3, we have Steven Stone. As I mentioned many times, Ruby and Sapphire were the first Pokemon games I played, so I have a lot of memories regarding Steven Stone. 
from delivering a letter to him in Granite Cave, forcing you to kill or catch a wild Kecleon near Fortree City, and of course, helping you foil Team Magma and Aqua's plans. All this leading up to the battle against him at the Pokemon League. Steven is a master of the Steel type, which is one of the best types anyone can have on your team. Granted, we have the same predicament with Lance and Iris, considering only half of his team consists of Steel types, those being Skarmory, Agron, and his ace, Metagross, with the other Pokemon being Claydol, Armalto, and Cradilly. In hindsight, there were still plenty of Steel types they could have given Steven, but it's not that bad by all means. Besides, Steven's an archaeologist and loves to study ancient ruins, so it makes sense for him to have the two fossils from Hoenn and Claydol to an extent. Don't be mistaken though, Steven's team is still pretty powerful. His Skarmory can be annoying if you let it set up spikes or toxic you. All three of his non-steel types know ancient power, which has the effect to boost all six of their stats. Agron's moveset makes it deadly in both the physical and special attack department. Lastly, there's Metagross. Now, I love Metagross. It's my favorite pseudo-legendary, but holy fuck is this thing a pain in the ass to deal with. It was the one Pokemon I couldn't beat, which prevented me from beating Ruby and Sapphire as a kid. No joke. My first time beating Steven wasn't until the Gen 3 remakes, where his team is essentially the same except his Metagross can Mega Evolve. Despite how easy Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire felt, it was so satisfying to finally beat Steven for the first time. And even though Steven's no longer the champion in Emerald, he still remains a vital part to the overall stories of Gen 3. If anything, his post-game battles from Emerald and the Gen 5 sequels show that he still has what it takes to be a champion. Because of my long personal history with Steven, I couldn't help but put him in the top 3. The runner-up for my favorite champion is Blue. I absolutely love Blue in his role as a rival, but that's a topic for another episode. As a champion, he was something alright. Imagine this, you and your rival both take on the Pokemon League challenge at the same time, but once you eventually collect all 8 badges and defeat the Elite Four, you find out that your final opponent is none other than your rival, who's always one step ahead of you. Even though I don't share the same nostalgic love as Gen 1ers, back in the day, it was something for its time, and still remains as one of the most epic battles in any of the games. But looking at the Gen 1 games mechanically, I mostly enjoyed this battle in Fire Red and Leaf Green. I mean, those were the cancel games I mostly played, but that's besides the point. Blue has a very balanced team consisting of some of the most powerful Pokemon in Kanto, such as Pidgeot, Alakazam, Rhydon, two of the following Pokemon, Gyarados, Executor, or Arcanine, all depending on which starter you chose, and of course, his ace being the fully evolved starter that has the type advantage of your choice, Venusaur, Charizard, or Blastoise. However, most fans, including myself, consider Blastoise to be his canon starter. So just for the sake of this episode, let's just say the rest of his team is Arcanine, Executor, and Blastoise, which is really a solid team. Before you say anything, I'm aware that his team in yellow is completely different, with him replacing his Pidgeot for Sandslash and keeping his Alakazam and Executor, but the rest of his team consists of Ninetales, Magneton, or Cloyster, depending on if he evolves his Eevee into either Vaporeon, Jolteon, or Flareon. But Yellow is kind of a shitty game, therefore that team is irrelevant to me. <laughs> anyway, every one of Blue's Pokemon can be a real threat if you're not too careful. Pidgeot could spam Feather Dance and Sand Attack to lower your attack and accuracy respectively. Alakazam has a high special attack, so one Psychic from the scene could annihilate you. That plus he can use Recover and Future Sight as well. Rhydon may be slow, but can hit like a fucking truck. Arcanine excels in speed and intimidation, while Exeggior can put you to sleep or set up Light Screen for stalls. Then we have Blastoise, who can set up a Rain Dance to boost the power of its Hydro Pump. I used to send out my Charizard all the time to face Blastoise, just so I could be like Ash during his battle against Gary. Obviously, that was dumb as hell, but goddammit, just let me be like Ash for once. <laughs> once you eventually beat Blue, Oak shows up to explain that the reason he lost is because he didn't treat his Pokemon with enough love or respect, which is kind of the reason why Blue isn't number one. Blue's snarky and egotistical behavior doesn't really match the personality of a champion. 
I know that was the point, but still. Either way, I still love Blue, and his champion battle is something I always look forward to whenever I decide to play through Kanto again. Finally, we have the goddess herself, Cynthia. I'm sorry for being so generic, but I can't help myself. Everyone says Cynthia is the best champion out of all the Pokemon games, and I don't blame them. For me though, it's ironic because I usually talk shit about Sinnoh, mostly Diamond and Pearl. Yet here I am putting a Sinnoh character at the number one spot. Honestly, what's not to love about Cynthia? From her calm and caring personality, the extensive knowledge she has towards Pokemon, considering she's a Pokemon researcher, it's no wonder why she's so knowledgeable, and how she constantly appears throughout the story to help you defeat Team Galactic, especially in Platinum where she travels with you into the Distortion World. She's also nice enough to give you an egg which hatches into a Togepi. To be honest, I haven't used that Togepi in any playthrough, but I appreciate the gift nonetheless. Her champion battle though, is where she mostly excels at. I mean, just listen to what her team is. She has Spiritomb, Rose Raid, Lucario, Milotic, Togekiss, and of course, Garchomp. The most balanced team out of all the champions we've had. Eric, what about Gastrodon? Yeah, don't remind me. Anyway, her team is not only balanced, but every member is challenging in their own way. We have Spiritomb, whose ghost and dark typing meant it had zero weaknesses in Gen 4. Sure, it's no problem these days thanks to fairy types, but back in the day, it was fucking insane because you literally had no type coverage for this thing. Rose Raid and Lucario are not only fast, but can be deadly with their high special and physical attacks respectively. Meanwhile, Togekiss and Milotic are perfect for being special attack walls and hitters. Plus, Milotic knows Miracle, which makes it more difficult to attack. However, none of them are as threatening as her ace, Garchomp. Oh my god, this thing is a fucking monster to take out, with its speed and raw power. Once Cynthia sends out Garchomp, the battle is pretty much over. Much like the case with Steven, Cynthia was the reason why I couldn't beat Diamond and Pearl as a kid, because of how overpowered her Pokemon were. That is until I played through Platinum and finally defeated her. That was one of the best moments during all my years of playing Pokemon, and even today I still get chills from facing her, whether that be in the Sinnoh games, the Unova games, or hell, even the Alola games to an extent. Cynthia has a great personality, a very balanced team, and provides one of the most challenging fights in any Pokemon game, which is why she more than deserves the title as my favorite champion. I can't wait to face her again in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, assuming that this episode comes out before November. We'll see. Anyway, that's all the champions ranked from worst to best. This has to be the most subjective list I've done yet in regards to the Pokemon characters. Like I said before, people mostly give a shit about the champions, so of course there's going to be debates on who's the best and who's worst. Either way, I'm happy with the list I made, and I look forward to meeting the champion or champions of Generation 9. Here's to hoping that he or she is just as good as Cynthia or Steven, and not a piece of shit like Trace or Howe. <laughs> but how would you guys rank the Pokemon champions? Feel free to let us know in our Discord server. A link will be provided along with our Instagram page, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all available platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening, and stay true to your geek selves.